Well, hey everybody. Good to see you on this Labor Day weekend. And uh, before I get rolling here, a couple of quick things. First of all, um, Monday, tomorrow, we've got a picnic scheduled, family picnic, over at Hakey Creek Park, which is Garnett and 111th-ish. Now, we've been watching the weather forecast. The upshot here is uh, the percentage likelihood has gone down because it's Oklahoma, and that's just what we do. So um, just keep that in mind that it might not be as bad as what we originally thought. And secondly, we've got the pavilions. So y'all can come and stay dry and eat and hang out, and it'll be fun. So I hope that you'll make some plans. We're going to be there from 10 until 2. And uh, if the weather is cooperative, then we'll have plenty of games for the kids. And, um, but most of the time, it's just another excuse for the church to get together and eat. Because we also do that here, too, right? <clears throat> so... Um, hope that you'll in, uh, join us. Uh, today's Family Sunday, so the kids are in service with us. Hi, kids. Look at that. they got all kinds of cool things that they're playing with. That's great. And um, uh, I was thinking about this the other day. We video this every single week. So if you're checking us out online, we're glad that you're here too, even though this might be a couple weeks after we've had this conversation. But uh, our prayer is that everybody, kids and who um, guests or whoever's here, that you'd find something meaningful. And that's been my prayer all along. Um, we're finishing up this summer series in, in Ephesians. And uh, I, I think I need to hit the pause button real quick here and say a big thank you to Brent Hinkle for coming in last week and filling in for me. Um, uh, my family was up in northern Wisconsin. Yep, there it is. A little town called Manaqua. That's how you pronounce it, Manaqua. Uh, and it really is that beautiful. Although we were there on Friday uh, for the rehearsal dinner, and it was cold and rainy, and the rehearsal dinner was outside. So that was fun. And then uh, Sunday when we left, uh, it was also a little cold and rainy. But Saturday, the clouds parted and the sun came down. It was a balmy 75 degrees and it was an outdoor wedding on a lake. I'm like, it was truly awesome. I mean, it was just really kind of a neat day. And so we got a chance to do that. Now, Sunday afternoon, I get a text message from somebody in the congregation um, talking about how well Pastor Brent did. And, he's, and the comment wasn't, I really like this. I'm so glad that we've got a deep bench. So I was really thankful for that, too. We've got some, some people that we know that are excellent communicators, and I always feel good about being able to leave and knowing that the congregation is left in good hands. So thank you to Pastor Brent and, and for all of you for hanging out with him, too. So then for allowing our family to go on a, a brief little excursion to a very beautiful part of the country. I highly recommend it if you get up there. Um, so we're going to turn our attention back to the book of Ephesians, uh, this letter that a New Testament writer, a man named Paul, wrote to the church that he helped start just a few years after he left, okay? So that's what this has been about. And I, I don't know about you, but I've actually really enjoyed this study a lot. Um, I don't know how many times I've accessed Ephesians over the years, but I don't think I've ever preached through that book before, and um, there have been several things that I've learned uh, along the way, and, and so I hope that you did too. And so we're going to be in the, the last chapter, uh, chapter 6, and here's the interesting thing. Um, for, I don't know, better part of 
you know, 10, 15 years of my early Christian experience, this was probably my favorite chapter in the entire New Testament. And because it talks about the armor of God. And, you know, being a young man and interested in things like martial arts and that kind of stuff, this was really cool. Of course, I had no idea what I was talking about. And, you know, I just thought it was kind of neat. And, um, but interestingly enough, I actually wrote a paper on this in high school. I had a, an English teacher who uh, assigned, I don't even remember what the assignment was, but I asked if I could do a, a paper on this. It was my first stab at an exegetical study. And um, by the way, I don't have that paper anymore. Um, maybe I don't. Maybe I do. I don't know. I'll have to go look. Uh, but I'm fairly certain it was about an inch deep and a mile wide and you know, that kind of a thing. But it just kind of underscored the fact that I was interested in this. And so today what I want to do is to go back into the text, but I kind of want to look at it with, with new eyes. Um, just, you know, I've got a little, you know, a few more miles on, the, on my tires and, and uh, you know, hopefully looking at this a little bit, a little bit differently. And so we're going to pick up this letter in Ephesians chapter 6, uh, beginning with verse 10. Um, yeah, so get some pictures of the armor of God up here. And it, it's amazing to me how we've represented this, this kind of thing. This is just a quick online search that you can kind of see here. Uh, you got the full medieval knight in shining armor thing there on the left. Pretty sure that's not what Paul had in mind um, because that didn't exist for probably another you know, a thousand years later, I don't know, maybe. Um, and then you've got kind of the, the, the child and, and the armor on there, and of course then the, the classic sort of Bible school illustration of, uh, of the armor. Um, helpful, maybe not so helpful, but there are a couple of things that I want to I point out as we go along. So if you've got a Bible, um, turn with me to, to Ephesians chapter 6, beginning with verse 10, or if you have a Bible app, you can punch that in too. And then we're going to see how this might help us live our faith out loud a little bit more, because we want to wrap up, up the series. So my, my attention here, my um, kind of op operational goals is I'm going to read, read this kind of in chunks and then talk about it as we go along. So that's, that's what we're up to. So let's start with uh, 6, beginning with verse 10 through 13. Here's what, what Paul writes. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand. Now let's pause right there, because there's a couple of interesting things in here. First of all, he starts off with finally. This is the last thing that he is going to leave with this, this group of, of Christians that he's uh, actually pretty intimate with. He lived with them for about two years, uh, trying to pour into them, teaching them, and ministering to them. But notice he says, finally, be strong. Now, remember back in chapter 3, he said, I pray that you would be strengthened in your inner being. And here he is at the end where he's saying, be strong. This reminds me a little bit of Joshua chapter 1 when God is talking to Joshua and says, be strong and be courageous. 
right? He says it like 15 times. And if I remember right, there's another point along where he kind of is talking to Joshua. He's like, didn't I tell you just to be strong and courageous, right? Kind of like, what, what are you thinking? And uh, anyway, so here we have this idea. I have prayed for you that you would be strong. Now, be strong. And it seems to me that this often happens to us, is that we pray for something, and 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 we pray for something. And it's kind of like God's tapping his foot going, just do it. <laughs> you know, be, be strong, be courageous, be that way. So if you're just um, kind of entering into this idea of being a disciple, you know that Paul has prayed for you to be strong. So be strong. Be strong in your inner being. Now, notice what happens in two things in, in verse 11 here. <clears throat> he says, put on the full armor of God. And then we see it again in verse 13. Therefore, put on the full armor of God. Go back one. Um, interestingly enough, the armor of God is not exclusive to Ephesians. You actually find it in the Old Testament. God wears armor. Did you know that? At least that's how the ancient poets and, and prophets used to think of God. In fact, if you want to read about it, you can find it in Jeremiah chapter 50 or in Isaiah 59. Okay? So, is it me? Okay. Um, <laughs> yes, Lord. Uh, so, God wears armor too. And so, oftentimes there's been this connection made that we put on the same armor that God does, which I don't know about you, is kind of an encouraging thought, right? And then notice the second part. He says to stand. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Now, this word stand appears four or five times in this passage alone. This is a big deal. This idea of standing is uh, an important theme for Paul. And notice that the importance here um, is that we can take a stand against what? Against the devil's schemes. Because he goes on into the very next verse and he says this, Our struggle is not against flesh and blood. And church, I want you to hear this. People are not your enemy. People are not your enemy. Now, it's easy to treat it as such. It's very easy to focus all of your anger and all of your frustration on a particular individual. And let's be honest, sometimes they're jerks. I understand that. But the point here is that people are not your enemy. There's always something behind that. Is this making sense? We have to remember, Paul is very clear here. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood. And he points to other things, other things that are behind um, some of the behavior you might be seeing. Now, um, let's just read through those real, real quick. But against rulers, against authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Now, I want to urge a little bit of caution here, just from a theological standpoint. Over the years, there's been a lot of speculation and a lot of fascination with these four ideas, okay? Um, maybe it's the hierarchy of evil, something along those lines. Uh, I've heard um, different preachers try to actually uh, pull out other passages of Scripture to, to 
point to these evil forces that are going on. And he mentions these four distinct opponents. Not flesh and blood, but he's talking about um, rulers and authorities, powers, and spiritual forces. Now, a couple questions come to my mind. First of all, if they're all this kind of hierarchy of evil, so to speak, then why are there spiritual forces in the heavenly realms added to it? That seems very distinct from the other three. And so here's my take on it. Now, I'm, this, this is just me. Um, I don't have anything other to base it on other than what I'm reading out of the text. So this is me, and uh, I can't point to another scholar at this point who's come up with the same idea. But in my mind, what's going on here, when I look at the Greek words, that rulers is more like leadership, systems of power. Um, authorities are choices, and the power of, of, of this dark world is our culture. And if you look at these things, you can actually see them at work in our own lives. I mean, talk about this idea of leaders. It's not individuals, remember, because flesh and blood, we're not, against, we're not against that. That's not our opponent here. But rather, leadership in general. And that sometimes you can have great people who work for a really lousy system. Right? Federal government, anyone? <laughs> right? Okay, you can have some great people who work for a really bad sort of system. And so you've got this leadership and these power structures. But the, the word here for authorities is really, in Greek, carries with it this idea of, of making choices. And the fact of the matter is, is when we suffer, usually when we suffer, it's because of a choice that somebody else has made. Does that make sense? Um, for those of you who have known tragedy, um, usually it's, it has something to do with the choice that another person made and that you're suffering for it, right? And then um, powers of, of this dark world. Just look at your culture. You can watch TV or look at your news feed. There are things that are going on here culturally that are just awful. And we see them over and over again. And um, sometimes we can explain it, sometimes we can't explain it, but there's something else behind. We're not talking about flesh and blood here. And then he adds spiritual forces. Make no mistake, there is an enemy who is at work. And I understand that, but I think that there's some other things that are going on. So when you're looking at a person who's just frustrating you and they're so angry, there may be some other things going on that's causing that. How many of you have been into a store and the person taking your money at the store that you're buying, you know, you're buying goods and services, it's very clear that they don't want to be there. Right? And that person may not be as responsive as you need them to be, but it might not just be them, it might be the circumstances that they're in in that particular place. Are you with me? Now, this is a very light, simple uh, illustration to make the point. But there are other things that are going on. Our struggle is not with that person. But there might be something else that's going on in their life, either in the workplace or at home. You have no idea about any of that. So that's what we wrestle with. So if they were all kind of this hierarchy of spiritual evil, then why would you add that fourth category? So I think there's something else that's happening here. 
We have to keep that in mind. And it's so easy to get wrapped up in these kinds of, of details when we get so excited about things like, oh, maybe there's, there's a way to, to understand what those, those, those dark forces are like and, and we can strategize around them. You know, there's a danger. Why? Because, first of all, it takes our focus off what is good. The moment you take your eyes off of Jesus, Peter taught us what happens. Blub, 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 blub. Right? You go underneath the waves. Keep your eyes focused on what's good, not on what's negative. And the other thing that I've noticed is that when you're studying stuff like this, it takes you away from action. Because, okay, so we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against all these other things. The question ultimately is, what are you going to do about it? Because it's fine to have the knowledge, but what are you going to actually do with that knowledge? And if you're so focused on understanding it, then you're not going to actually act on it. So what are you going to do about these things that are at work in front of us? And so fortunately for us, Paul has an idea, and he's going to share it with us. And I think that this is where it's important. So let's go on with the text, beginning with 13 then. Therefore, you know, since we're wrestling with something other than flesh and blood, therefore put on the full armor of God. Remember, that's what he started with in verse 11. Here we are in 13. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that... When the day of evil comes, not if, when, when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything, to stand. Stand firm then, this is really important, with a belt of truth buckled around your waist, with a breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Now, this is fascinating to me because there's some language here that's a little confusing. Because this whole idea of so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. I get that. And after you have done everything to stand. Wait, what? What, what does that actually mean? Stand firm then. So here, here's, here's kind of where this is going. You put on the armor so that you can stand against evil and stand firm. The, the verb here that's being used is this idea of being able to stand with your feet planted firm. Now, if any of you have ever studied any kind of martial arts, you know that wider is better, right? So you know these kinds of things. And this is what Paul is getting at. Paul is talking about this idea of being able to stand, but not just to be able to stand against, to resist, but also to stand firm. Because you can stand and resist all you want and still get knocked over. The point is, is that he wants us to stand, but also to stand firm. And then he goes on to describe the armor that you need in order to stand firm. This is important because we have to think about the context in which Paul is writing this letter. So he started this church in Ephesus, which is a, it was one of the jewels of the ancient Roman world. And it's a port city. So there's soldiers that are going in and out. That would have been a common thing. But Paul, as he's writing this letter, is in Rome under house arrest. And he's got soldiers around him all the time. And not just any soldiers. Uh, we find in another part of the Bible that he's around Praetorians, which are kind of, um, 
I'm not going to call them shock troopers. That isn't true. But they're more of the elite, more of the kind of emperor's bodyguard type of thing, if that helps. So he's around soldiers, and this is what he's seeing day in and day out, and he's using an image that the people of Ephesus would understand. So keep this in mind as he's describing this. And at the time that Paul is there, it's right around 62 AD, there are uh, multiple revolts and military action going on around the Roman Empire. So movement of troops and seeing troops in, in battle array would be quite common throughout the empire. So he says, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. Now stop right there for just a second. Because notice what the very next words are. In addition to all of this. I'm 48 years old. I have read this passage I don't know how many times. I have written papers on this. I have preached on this. And I've never noticed that before. There's a break. There are three pieces of armor. And then there are three other pieces of armor. And I think it's significant. And here's why I want to, what I want to say. I want to suggest that the armor has two parts to it. And I tried to put this together graphically so that we could understand it a little bit better. In the next slide. Okay. So two segments of armor. The first segment includes truth, righteousness, and good news. So a belt of truth, a breastplate of righteousness, and shoes fitted the gospel, the good news of peace. Are you with me so far? Okay. Now, think about um, if you were seeing Roman soldiers all the time. Now, your Roman, Roman legions wouldn't necessarily always be ready for battle, but they had other responsibilities. They'd have to do some cooking. They'd have to do some cleaning. There would be other things they would have to do. Those of you who have been in the military or are in the military, did you wear your full body armor and helmet every single moment of every single day? The answer is no. And we know this because you can see them on the airplanes. When we lived in Savannah, Georgia, there was a major military base there, and we had soldiers flying in and out of, out of um, the Savannah airport all the time, and they wore their uniforms, but they weren't necessarily with helmet and body armor and rifle and sidearm and, and associated gear. They didn't travel with that. And so what I want to suggest to you, when a Roman soldier got up in the morning, he put on three things. He put on some type of tunic, but then he put a belt on, and he had a leather breastplate that he would wear as part of his, his, his armor, and he would put his shoes on. So what what Paul is describing here is the basic uniform. The basic uniform includes a belt, a breastplate, and shoes. And what he's trying to tell us here is that there are three things that every single Christian, every single disciple of Jesus ought to be wearing as a basic uniform. Truth, righteousness, and good news. Somewhere along the line, I think that we've kind of convoluted all of this. 
But the fact of the matter is, is that we ought to be living in truth, and that doesn't mean telling everybody else the truth. Sometimes it starts with telling yourself the truth. And by the way, truth isn't always painful, okay? Truth can also be a very good thing. But also righteousness, the way we live, how we deal with others, the types of things that we communicate to them. And we should always have with us the idea that this is good news. When did we lose the fact that, that following Jesus wasn't good news? Somewhere I think we've, we've lost that. This is the basic uniform that all followers of Jesus ought to wear every single day when you get up in the morning. Is this beginning to make sense? I think I'm going to turn this into a series. I never noticed this before. Because um, this is where discipleship begins, but then there are moments, and you've all experienced them, and if you haven't experienced them, just hang on, because they're coming. When things get a little difficult, and that's when Paul says, in addition, when things get rough, when you go into the field, when there are things that you have to face, then you take up your shield, then you take up your helmet, then you take up your sword. You with me? That, in my mind, in addition, these three components, the shield, helmet, sword, faith, salvation, and the word of God, this is when we're battle ready. So you have basic uniform and you have battle ready. You with me? So you put, pull up this idea of faith so you can extinguish the darts of the evil one, but also this idea of the helmet of salvation. Well, what is that? It protects your mind. I am saved. I am bought with the blood of Jesus. I am a child of God. I don't know about you, but when things are coming at me 100 miles an hour, I need to remember that. Otherwise, I start believing those lies that keep coming that I am somehow less than what God says that I am. And then all of a sudden, I'm taking off my belt. You know? and, and we're fighting naked. Don't fight naked. Not a good idea. And then finally, when you want to engage with the enemy, it's not just about extinguishing the darts, but using the Word of God as a sword. It's living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. Are you with me on this? Paul's got a theme going on here that we need to pay attention to. Because there are moments you need to open up your Word and go, Oh yeah, that's right. I am not without some type of power, without some type of way of engaging the enemy. I don't have to be a mule in a Texas hailstorm where I have to just stand there and take it. You have your basic uniform, but you are also battle ready. And that's discipleship. Does that make sense? That's discipleship. I think that's where it all starts. So I said, I never, never noticed this before. Never saw that. But I think that as a, as a church who is interested in helping people become better followers of Jesus and helping other people find Je and follow Jesus for the first time, this is where we begin. The big takeaway for me it rests in these three words right here. Truth, righteousness, and good news. I ought to have that on me at all times. Always. And you know what? That's hard. It's hard. Now, I want to be very careful that we don't overextend the um, militaryism, because there have been lots of people who have actually 
kind of jumped on this idea of Christianity and military and taken it to some really unhealthy places. But I think the idea here of being disciplined about it and using it as an illustration that we can understand makes sense. But the bottom line is if you are a follower of Jesus, your basic uniform ought to include truth, righteousness, and good news. And I think for me, to try to help others do that is to get down to these basics. And it's not just conceptual, but how might I? How might I live with more truth every single morning when I get up? How might I live with a little more righteousness every morning when I get up? How might I have this notion of good news with me every morning when I get up? It's that simple and that complex at the same time. Are you, are you seeing that? It's one thing to understand it intellectually. It's something else to actually practice it. So we have to learn what all of these mean. What does it mean to live in truth? What does it mean to live in righteousness? What does it mean to live with good news? And to develop practices around it. But here's the beautiful thing, and I want you to notice this. Here's how Paul ends his letter. He ends this segment, and he ends this letter this way. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Now, hang with me just one more second, because I think this is really important. Because we often talk about that around here. It's like, why don't you just pray about it? You know, the Holy Spirit's checking you on this. You might want to pray about it. Yeah, that's true. That's very true. But let's think about this. When, you, when Paul is finishing this up, he's saying, and pray with all kinds, various He's not being specific. He's being very gen general. He's saying, keep on praying and making requests before God. That's how you live this out, in part, is to pray and ask God to help you with those things. And I noticed this too. Be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. In some parts of the country, we say, all y'all, right? You know, that's kind of what we're talking about here. Pray for all y'all, not just yourself, but the people around you. And what if, what if we used these basic components of a uniform as kind of a, a way to pray for people? Because as you're talking to them and, and you're realizing they're going through a struggle, you can start going through your head going, okay, is this a truth issue? Is this, a, is this something that has to do with righteousness? Or, or maybe they're in the thick of it, and right now they just need a, more faith in order to deal with the things that are coming out. You can tell what those things are. And what if you use that to pray for them? God, I just pray that they would have a real big old shield of faith today. Because that's what they need. Oh God, would you sharpen their sword in some way? Because they need your spirit, they need your word in order to engage this thing, what would it be like if we were praying for each other around those basic ideas? Oh, God, help them to see the truth. Oh, God, help them to be righteous in this because they have an opportunity, a temptation to do something that is not part of your idea. God, help them do that. And then we're helping them put on their armor. And we're helping them engage not against flesh and blood, but against all these other forces that are arrayed against the good news. You see that? 
It's a beautiful picture. It's a powerful picture. I wonder what it would be like if we prayed for one another around those needs. Because my guess is that when the trouble comes, when the trouble comes, it's one of those areas that our brothers and sisters need the support. So if you want to press the military imagery a little bit more, you all are the heavy artillery. <laughs> you, can, you can lob those prayers from a distance, people around you. And we, sometimes we need that. It's a danger-close situation. And we get the opportunity to pray for those who need it in that moment.